Gaslight Studios in St. Louis, you're listening to Topic Thunder Podcast with Dania and Patrick. Welcome to the inaugural season one, episode one of Topic Thunder Podcast. My name is Dania and uh, my wonderful co-host here, Patrick. What's up? Hey, so who came up with the name Topic Thunder? You know what? Our producer, uh, Mick Light, actually, um, he threw it out there. He was, I was like, man, I really need to come up with something catchy, something, um, you know, that kind of goes with the brand that, you know, we were shooting for. And I said, we're topical. We are, um, you know, we're going to focus on trends, you know, what's trending. And he sent me a photo of just things that he had jotted down. And as a joke, he wrote down Topic Thunder. And I was like, Topic Thunder? And he was like, I was just joking. And I was like, nope, that is it. That's going to be the name. I I loved it the minute I heard it. Right. I mean, you told me the name and I said, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Topic Thunder. There are so many different ways we can go with that, too. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to talk about topical things, if we're going to push the envelope a little bit, we're going to let people come on here and talk and and uh, let, let us know what's going on from both sides of the spectrum on everything, then that's the way we ought to go. Yeah, like and that is that is essential. When I first came up with this concept, um, you know, a lot of people I've noticed on social media are really, really hung up on this, you know, biased news, uh, fake news. People are extremely passionate about how, um, you know, news is presented in the media. Well, um, I think when people say fake news, what they're afraid of is being held accountable. I agree. I definitely agree. I feel like when they say fake news, they it's not what they want to hear. Um, I, I think that is really the root of it. I don't want to, I don't want to show any kind of disrespect to it because I know a lot of people, a lot of my own friends uh, feel that way. And I've got into some discussions um, I, I, I'd rather not say heated, but I mean, occasionally they would be heated because it's like, Hey, you know what? We go way back mm-hmm. and, um, you're you know, passionate, they're passionate. Exactly. I have been a member of the media now for, uh, gosh, 22 years now. Yeah. And, uh, whether it's been in, um, radio and then a, a very quick stint in TV, um, I, I do. I, I took a little bit of offense to it, especially Patrick, because you and I both worked on KMOV. We were producers and we were both on the assignment desk. Yeah, we were. So when you work on the assignment desk, it is our job to look a little further, dig a little filter deeper. out some of those things. Exactly. Get proof of whatever information is going to be you know, pushed to an anchor or a reporter. Right. Yeah. You're the one that make the contact with people either out in the field. When I say that reporters or your anchors, your photographers, Um, you're talking to contacts that only, you know, Um, you have I have like probably over 100 phone numbers in my iPhone that I just know from KMOV. Yeah. And it's all just contacts. Sure. Do I call them all the time? No, I maybe call them once a year. Yeah. Once every few years. Now that I'm not doing news full time, uh, it's not part of my deal every day, but I'm going to keep those numbers just in case. Um, but, you know, like my my background started out in radio and I got into TV news. Just to give you a little background on me, I got into TV news as a happy accident. I thought I was going to be a morning radio guy or afternoon drive guy somewhere in St. Louis or Chicago or 
Florida, something like those were my goals. And I got into television after I graduated college because I was working uh, full time at a top 40 radio station. And then I got a job while I was in college working at uh, NBC affiliate as a photographer. And I liked it. And I became a great writer, producer at school. And I thought to myself, well, I could either be a photographer. I could either be a producer who writes newscasts, write what the anchors say. That's essentially what a producer does in a small right. nutshell. Right. They do a lot of things, mm -hmm. but that's the that's the main I think that's piece. probably the essence the most important yeah. part is what is going to be conveyed what is going to be aired for the viewer yeah to to see and so. I liked that that it that made me happy and I thought oh I could be a, a a boss one day and maybe I wanted to do that and then life comes at you and you yeah. slow down but the main thing was is when I was going to graduate from Southern Illinois University in Carbondale I sent my resume to two places I sent my resume to some affiliate in Bozeman, Montana. They had a sports <laughs> opening because I wanted to be a sports guy. And they had a producer opening in Fort Myers, Florida, where mm. I had grown up for part of my childhood. Mm -hmm. So I sent them both off at the same time. And I was like, okay, whoever gives me an offer first, I'm going to take right. that job. Because I really thought that I could get a job at either place. And I just had the confidence. Right. I was, I sure. was good. Sure. So I went ahead and I heard back like two weeks later from Fort Myers. Mm -hmm. And I actually called them like probably a week after I sent my stuff out. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize. We like to do that little check in, yes. kind of throw the name out there. But the, the woman who was going to hire me eventually, she was uh, like on a vacation or something. Mm -hmm. So she had a bunch of voicemails backed up, yada, yada, yada. Lo and behold, I know people that she knows, and she flies me down for an interview, and I got the job for a measly $25,500 a year. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. But you know what? It's amazing what we will do for the things that we love. And, oh, yeah. And you were right out of college. Right out of college. Right. This was 2004. And you took an opportunity. Yes. And you knew that the opportunity you know, had some potential to grow legs, and in which it did. Oh uh, yeah, right. I mean, I I didn't get rich off of television, but I began to. I think very few people actually do. We all think we can, right? But we we, most it's of same us thing don't. with radio. Yes, you know the the vast majority of we of, all think we can be Howard Stern, right? Howard Stern or somebody that you know. And yeah. in, in every by it the seems way, love like, that guy. By the way, I do too. Love him. Um, it seems like every market has one or two um, uh, what I like to call graybeards that. <laughs> have secured their position at a at any kind of given radio station mm -hmm. or whatever and they've been there forever they'll retire there everybody goes into um you know whatever uh, media they want to go into whether it's tv or radio thinking you know i can do that i can be that person mm -hmm. um but the vast majority of the time it doesn't work out that way oh no i tried to go back to radio and it just blew up in my face yeah I should have never done that you I, know I and I I have to share this and I know I've shared it with a few people but having worked in radio for so long I have been in and out of radio and never have I ever quit 
radio. Um, I have always been cut. Now, I'm not going to say fired because usually it's because of a format change or, you know, a budget cut or what have you. Um, But I liken it to a really bad relationship. So you have a good way to put it. You have someone that tells you, I love you. I love you. And and then, well, then uh, for lack of a better term, well, they crap on you and that you break up. But then they come back and they're like, I miss you. I love you. Come back. And you're like, "Okay, I'll be back. Great example. Great example to me. I left television and which I shouldn't have, but I left for family reasons. And I, I really liked the decision that I made for the nine months that they had me back at the radio station. But. They let me have a snow day with my kids. The radio station mm-hmm. did. So I got that. Then Thanksgiving happened. Then the Monday after Thanksgiving happened. And Tuesday after Thanksgiving, they laid off 13 of us. Right. And that is how it goes, man. That's just how it works. They usually clean house. And they don't tell you anything ahead of time like, Mm-mm. hey, maybe you want to start looking somewhere else. There was none of that. Right. None. So... That's why I regret going back to radio full time. Now, you've gone back part time. Mm -hmm. What I should have done is I should have gone back just part time, picked up some shifts that I like. But I I particularly don't like working so much on the weekend. And Mm -hmm. that's what happens when you do radio. Well, and you have family. Things have changed. I don't mind if you're going to pay me real money to work on the weekend in television. Right. But they're not going to pay you real money no. uh to work in radio right. so for me i that just wasn't worth it so right. and it's across the board it's it it's is. not just you know it's not just one uh corporation uh versus another it's pretty much across the board i think a lot of people um they want to go into radio so badly it is really a passion that you will um you know you'll take chances you will uh sacrifice some things in your life because you love it so much and it it and depending on the person and really I can only speak for myself is it really brought me a lot of joy I worked in music radio Mm -hmm. um I was on the air in music radio and that has always been my passion um I started out in music radio loved it um I'm glad I didn't take it on full time right out of college oh my gosh there's so (laughs) much I would have missed like I said happy missed you know you know, happy accident. Ha- happy accident. Not a mistake, but a happy accident. Sure. I met my wife because I worked in television. Now we have two kids. Now we live here in St. Louis. Um, we've been here for eight years now. Mm-hmm. Been married for uh, like, what, almost 13 years. So mm-hmm. there's so much that television has done for me. I, I may go back full time sometime down sure, the road. Maybe sure. when Don't my kids rule it out. I'm not ruling it and out. And you know what? That is something that has, you know, that has been very, very important to me. No matter how miserable I was uh, in any given position, I will never burn a bridge. No. No matter you what. You can't do that. Never. I, like I said, I, I am not going to burn any bridges with any radio station group in, in the St. Louis area or around the country. Can't do it. Won't do it. I'll still do business with them, but I don't think I'll go in full time. Sure. The great thing is, is that I did not lose my job because of a pandemic. Um, I can say that I've my job that I have now is not pandemic proof, but the the the, the pandemic the COVID stuff has not hit us tremendously hard. It's hit everybody in the wallet, but. I'm working from home, doing mm-hmm. a lot of Zoom courses. I, mm-hmm. you know, work with journalists and show them how to use software for for their job. So it's it's stuff that they need. Absolutely. 
you know. So uh, I'm happy, really, really, really happy with what I'm doing now. It allows me to be with my family, to travel once again when travel happens, but it, it gives me a lot of freedom. Right. And where my kids are at their age, for me, when I got out of television, the moment that it happened for me was <sighs> my son was playing baseball. My daughter was getting to that age where, you know, she was like three or four years old and bedtime's 8.30 for both of the kids at that age. Mm -hmm. And I was getting home at like 7.15. Right. And I get I get home. My wife was tired because yeah. she'd worked a full day. I worked a full day. I was tired. And I still got to see the kids. Absolutely. And, and it starts to wear. It, it starts to wear on you. When you actually do realize, you're like, wow, I'm only seeing my kids 45 minutes a day. Yeah, that's not happening. It's hard. It's a, it's a really hard pill to swallow. And then you go and you tell your boss at the TV station that you need to switch hours. And they look at you like... You're either nuts or they're like, okay, I get it. And the one that I talked to, she didn't have kids. Mm -hmm. So she, but she had family. But mm -hmm. to, I mean, at first she understood. Uh, she understood after I explained to her mm -hmm. why I needed to move shifts. But, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just lucky in, the, in that aspect. You know, so the pandemic, now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, um, hopefully towards the end of the hopefully pandemic. towards the end. I don't want to say middle, but towards the end. Sure. It looks promising. It really does. People I know are hurting financially. People are, are hurting because their family members have died too. Absolutely. Friends have died. Those kind of things. We will talk about how the pandemic has affected your life, how it's impacted your life. Um, amongst other topics. I mean, and we I'm, even took polls. Right. Well, and I am really interested and honestly really <laughs> kind of holding my breath to see how this is going to unfold, um, you know, two, three years down the line, especially during this extremely crucial um, time and development with regard to our kids mm -hmm. and the lack of social interaction and how, uh, in addition, how it is affecting people's mental health mm -hmm. at one time. And I, I mean, people may argue with this. I don't know. I guess it just uh, it depends on where you stand on, on the side of the issue. But I feel that the mental health aspect is probably more detrimental to myself than if uh, than the physical aspect. I'm more worried yeah. um, about how this is going to affect me uh, mentally because of you know I, you're removed from from everything from society, and um, rather than you know if I got it or uh, this is not hyperbole at all. Right. But I thought about this, and you bring it up, and I'm thinking about this. We're going to have pre-pandemic life and right. post-pandemic life, just like our grandmothers and grandfathers had the Depression era. Sure. And then what they did after and what they did before are two totally different things. You can even attribute that to 9-11. Yeah, absolutely. 9-11, yeah. 20 years ago, same thing. You, don't, you, you can't go into an airport. I was trying to describe to my kids who are you know not even 12 years old yet, um, they're getting there though, but I was trying to describe to them that you could walk into an airport and sit there as people are walking off an airline and pick them up and then take them back to your car. You know what I used Can't to do, do as a kid? Anymore. 
my uh, parents would actually take me to the airport just so that we can watch the planes take <laughs> off and land. See, that's great. Right. That's awesome. Right. That's no more. No more. No more. No. Can't do it anymore. But I get it. I mean, this is in the name of safety. Yeah. I completely get it. And we do have to take measures. But um, I would like to kind of go back to... Um, to the pandemic a little bit we have a couple of stories that um just kind of blew our minds but first i do want to mention and um and uh, you know show my appreciation for everybody involved with making this show happen um i really appreciate uh patrick coming uh when i pitched this to you you were in and (laughs) and i couldn't think of a better co-host just because I knew how well we worked together before. I know that our dynamic, um, you know, we may clash on topics. We may agree on topics. I think it's probably gonna, it could go either way. So far, we are um, we are pretty much uh, on the same page with yep, everything. But I also, much. I do want to thank um, J.B. Anderson. He is uh, the owner here at Gaslight Studios um, on Shaw in uh, St. Louis. It is an amazing, amazing studio. When I pitched this to him, he also was was in, no questions. So I, I thank him for that. I thank him for the space. I thank him for the technology. I want to thank the engineer who is absolutely incredible, super laid back, and um, deals with any you know anything we throw at him. I'm like, okay, he's ready to go, but you know what? I got to pee. So um, <laughs> he makes can, it easy. Yeah, for give me a couple extra minutes, but yeah, super cool. That is Rick Wagner. I want to thank Mick Light, who is our producer. And I also want to thank Jason Wilson, who um, you will actually get to see some of his photos um, that he is going to take for episode two uh, when we have Max Price, um, a comedian. So I really want to take I want to thank all those people that are involved with um, with this podcast. A lot of people invested. Um, But we talked a little bit about, um, you know, how the pandemic has affected us and, you know, some of the things that we've observed um, socially, emotionally, um, as well as physically, but we did go to social media and we took some polls. Yes, we did. And um, I, I think that I, they were, you know, they were pretty valid questions. And um, where did I put those? My I was goodness. pretty happy with, I was pretty happy with the answers because, for the most part, at least my friends were, at least I could tell, right? They were honest. Yeah, yeah, I was I was really pleased with I I was fearful that people were people didn't wouldn't want to identify with a certain um choice, you know, given these choices. So I what try- are the choices? Let's the, tell Okay, people. so as of today, what approach are you taking with regard to social gatherings? I know a lot of people across the board have different views on this. So our choices were I attend public and or private gatherings with caution, masked up every time. Um, or I attend small public and or private gatherings with no mask. I avoid public and private gatherings entirely or screw it. I'll do what I want. So how do you think these turned out? Did they turn out the way that you expected it? For me, I do. I, I was not shocked at the answers on my page. And then when I looked at yours, they were kind of close Mm -hmm. because I figured what most people would say is I attend public gatherings or private gatherings with caution and then the other people would say screw it I'll do what I want right right kind of like on both ends of the spectrum that's what I was expecting right because there's there's a couple things here a couple reasons number one I I when I'm on social media my 
what I post on social media, I don't get too, I don't get too controversial. I don't get too, sure. I'm not your, I'm not your aunt who, who posts or your retired mom who posts about politics or Trump. Right. And, and largely it is very polarized. Right. But what I do is I put out sports things, pictures of mm-hmm. my kids or news stories that I just think are damn interesting. Right. Right. And people know me as the, the news guy. Yeah. And you know, that's true to mm-hmm. a certain extent, but I also had the radio background. I also do sports on the side. I'm a huge sports fan. I think we're uh, media well-rounded. Yeah, so I think people get that for the sure. most part. So they, they want to make sure they're giving an honest answer to me. Right. And the reason why I say honest is because tell them the results. Yes. So um, they were actually kind of how I I expected them to come up. Uh of people said I attend the public or private gatherings with caution and they mask up every time. Um, Now, the next one at 28% were very honest and said, screw it, I'm doing what I want. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just a slight bit under that at 26%, I attend small public and or private gatherings with no mask. And then at 11%, people completely avoid them entirely. See, what I do is I attend public events with a mask, no problem. Correct. I have no problem wearing a mask. I prefer people wear a mask if I'm at a gas station or a restaurant. Same. Um, especially a server, too. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to you know, have dinner with you, and we're, if you're going to come to my house, or I'm going to have you over my house, I'm praying, I'm hoping, and maybe this is naive on my part, that you're keeping your, uh, your friendship and, and the way that people you bring in your house small too Mm -hmm. so i'm hoping i'm trusting that you do the same and and that you know you're making the good decisions about or or uh conscious decisions to be safe and i'm making conscious decisions when i have you over at my house to to stand six feet away from you Mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to do i know it it, really is if you think about it i mean honestly when we talk about personal space when you you know we talk about oh everybody hates a close talker um but, I mean, typically, six feet is not much more than, than what you usually do to converse. It's not hard. But it's not hard. It's really not hard. But we did have another poll. Um, and this is with regard to, I would say, probably the vast majority of, of our listenership. Uh, how should kids be earning their education during this stage in the pandemic? Um, I work in a school system. I work in a school district, um, actually in Illinois. Um, and we do give them the choice to for in-person learning or uh, through online learning. Yeah, I live in St. Louis County. My wife's a teacher. Our kids have the choice. Like Our kids are going to school four days a week. Yeah, mine just moved up to five days a week. It's yeah. a very, it's a shortened school day, but um, I do appreciate uh, the measures that they are taking. Yeah, as we'll, well do whatever the school district wants us to right, do. I'm, right, I'm at that point, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I trust, I do trust them, mm-hmm. and I I love our school district. But uh, so, eighty percent of people said that they are in favor of full in person learning. I agree. Um, we have ten percent that said that you know they're more for a hybrid model. So a combination of the remote and in-person learning. Um, cool. <laughs> the I'm fine other, with that. Um, the other option that we put on the list, and and I have to probably explain for some people, as I noticed, a lot of people were like, "What does that mean?" So um, I said, you know, electrolytes. Because <laughs> oh, mom's drunk and 
well, has to handle class? Or? And not just that. No, uh, if you've seen the movie Idiocracy, yes, yes. Um, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It I've is. Um, it. It's frighteningly. Um, I don't Real. want to say. I don't want to say accurate, but um, they we could. It. They we could so it. head in that direction. We could. Uh, but no, electrolytes is like the you know the answer to everything. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so seven percent of people said electrolytes. Um, basically anything goes is what that means. And then 3% of people prefer full remote, remote learning from home. And actually I do see those trends, um, about like that and if within you're full our district. Remote, I'm, you're not hurting my feelings. Not at all. And you know, who am I to say you can't do full remote? Exactly. There's I pass that... absolutely no judgment on no. anyone's decision with regard to that at all. Um, and uh, we, uh, you know, we did kind of do a little promo because we did want some really good engagement and feedback on these polls. So um, we said, you know, we're going to do a raffle. So give us your opinion. We're going to put your name in a hat for um, a Funko Pop. It's a Ryan O'Reilly Funko Pop. Nice, and um, nice. we did draw that name. Um, that is for Dan Sokolik. Um, I actually know Dan. And... Um, so yeah, he's our winner for that. So we See, thank everyone for participating in the poll. I'd be shocked if Dan has not won a radio prize before. You know why? Because he has a like a interesting last name that's hard to say. <laughs> you know what? I emailed him today and I said, "How do you pronounce your last name?" And he he said it, and he, I was like, "Don't ask me why. Just answer the question." <laughs> and he's like, "I kind of fear what you are going to say." <laughs> well, Dan, now now you know. Yeah, now, now it know. is your benefit. Congratulations, Dan! You're the winner of the Ryan O'Reilly Funko Pop. Um, so on with this pandemic. I saw the most, just the headline alone caught my attention. Oh, what is it? I, I, I can't I can't even deal with it. Um, and of course, the actual headline <laughs> didn't print up on on my story here. But um, when I was writing up our rundown, Patrick, I I, <laughs> I oh Missouri it. pastor faces backlash after suggesting wives should lose weight, strive to look like. Melania Trump. Right. And that's just one. That is just one of his many, um, many uh, beautiful quotes that he shared with us. Where in Missouri is this guy from? Is Uh, he from Missouri or from Missouri? All it says is the Missouri boot heel. So we're going to say Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to say Missouri. Um, He is a Baptist preacher. And he went on leave this week. Imagine that. After his sermon advising those women. Uh, who can't be the epic trophy wife of all time like Melania Trump, they should still try to compete or com- uh, compete in wifely hotness. I've, that's the first time I've I heard mean, that actual. Everybody wants a hot t- wife, right? I mean, I, well, hopefully everybody thinks their wife is hot. Yeah, anyway, my wife regardless, is hot. my wife is hot. I well, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the next one says. What do you want? A participation trophy? No, you want you want the trophy. You want the Melania Trump trophy. Oh. I am yeah. this is no disrespect to Melania Trump. She is an absolutely beautiful woman. She's beautiful. She absolutely. is statuesque. Yep. Um but but putting all of this uh I mean, he also said you don't need to look like a butch. Um Okay. You do, the, these do are we his still qu- say this was words his like quote. that? Do we still talk like that? Uh, uh, I mean, apparently I so. Does in the boot uh, heel. Apparently so. Um, well, you know what makes my wife hot? Not just not just she's beautiful, but 
she has a brain. She has her own opinions. She has her own thoughts. And that is She has hot. friends. Absolutely. And she goes and does what she wants to do. She can do her own thing. You know? And you know what's, what's even more hot is that you are supportive yeah. of all of that. I am. I, I, she'll go out with her friends. She won't hear from me for hours. And you know what? I, and I'm not saying hot in the way of, you know, like a sexual term or anything like that. Right. But I think I that that you. is a great quality of a solid marriage. Uh, but this guy goes on to say, somehow missing from the sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who don't wear sweatpants or slouch around Walmart and flip-flops, but do put on makeup and perfume because you don't want to be ugly and stink. Ugh. He told the women in the church. Um, he this said, guy, I've seen pictures of him. I, he wears sweatpants at home. Absolutely, he wears. There's no. I don't see how. I, I'm not. You He's know not what? even. I'm not he, bash. he doesn't I, even wear a tie. And right, it's, I, I know this is like one of those new life churches, you know, that my girlfriend from college liked to go to. But uh, yeah, you can't talk like that to your congregation. No, please don't. Please don't. I, I, I mean, just the way I, some of the things that he said, ladies, it's the way God made us. It's <laughs> it's the way we are referring to men. Men are going to look. Men are going to look. Yeah, He made that's us true. to look. He, we that's can't true. help ourselves. That's true. We are like that. True. That's how God made us. Um, but another, God did not make us uh, into a jackass. OK, no, and they made him into one. Or he or she made him into one. Yeah. Yeah. He would probably argue that that uh, God is is a, is not a woman. You think he probably would. I don't know. He'd I mean, have some answers. We're sa- we're assuming or I know. have no idea. Sure. We have no know. idea. No. I, yeah. And, you know, what? we'll let our listeners, uh, you know, weigh in on that themselves. We'll see if people are back next Sunday. You know, it, you can't say c- cancel culture on this. No, but he is say, on leave. Yeah, he's on leave. <laughs> he will come back. He'll, he'll come back if they let him. Uh, if they don't let him, that's not cancel culture. You just can't say whatever you want. Sure, there's freedom of speech, but you can't go into a crowded theater and yell, you know, fire if there's no fire. Sure. You can't go into a church and say those things if it's not suitable. Mm-hmm. You just can't do that. He He's employed by this church, correct? That is correct. So they have standards. Maybe that's just not their standard. It's not cancel culture. It's not fake news. This guy said something that he probably should have just left at home with his friends. Sure. And, and I mean, there are quotes in here, and you and I both know uh, from our, our experience in working that in order to quote someone, you are taking a big risk, but when you quote, you are absolutely certain and you have proof. Therefore, um, you know, videos or, um, you know, maybe witness accounts. Things I got to like find that. some audio on this. Absolutely. It'll make me even more upset i bet uh, probably uh probably but i think our listeners would probably really appreciate it <laughs> we'll um, at, at at best i mean I, I think it's either going to really piss some people off or some people might just laugh at it well Who you knows? know what makes me laugh sometimes but makes me angry is bad pastors bad preachers yeah, and I mean, let let's be real. They're they are out there because there's there's good and bad of everything, right? I ha- I happen to have some because this show just basically writes itself. It's like this pastor in the boot heel knew that I wanted to talk about when pastors go wrong, go bad, right? 
Okay. So the first one I want to talk to you is about a guy named Marcus Lamb. Okay. I've okay. not heard of Marcus Lamb. I did not either. But during the pandemic, when you get tired of watching some of the same shows all the time, what pops up on your television screen? The Dr. Phil Show. Okay. So, Dr. Not my Phil. television screen, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, my sister is sure. really big into it. And, you know, to each their own. Sure. But Marcus Lamb popped up on there, and he looked like your television pastor. And his wife was on there, and they were talking about a problem they had. So I went on to the Dr. Phil site and looked a little further into it. And they described Marcus Lamb as the co-founder of the fastest-growing Christian network in the country. He is a part of Daystar Television, okay? He now, was is on- this guy like a Joel Osteen? Well, yeah. Because I but, do know who that is. Yes, but he's not as successful as, successful as Joel Osteen because okay. Joel Osteen he has these shows that are syndicated on Sunday morning in television markets at a great time. Okay. Like in St. Louis, it's on at like 10 o'clock, I think. Okay. So that's like prime time for the non-churchgoers, the homebounders, sure, to sure. watch him. But he has a, a channel that's called Daystar that he, probably t- that he probably makes millions on. He probably has to pay very little in taxes because it's a... It's a church. Sure. But he owns or is a part of Daystar Television. What happened to him and his wife? Well, Pastor Lamb, he went and had an affair several years ago Okay. on his wife. He says that three people wanted $7.5 million to keep quiet about his indiscretions, so his wife, Joni, decided to share their story with the public. Okay. I was, see, I was sitting here thinking... Oh man, why you know, why would he want to go public with this? But actually she was she actually did. Yeah, I mean you think of like infidelity, scandal, um right. extortion, all that stuff. And yeah. I guess their marriage has been saved. Um, you know, they they've been married for quite a long time. Okay. So I googled him a little further and what do you know? More great exciting television popped up. A story on Inside Edition about Pastor Lamb. All right. Now, now let me say, uh, you know, Inside Edition, I, I think some people might scoff at this. They, yeah, they might. We do. I mean, they do employ legitimate journalists. Yes, they do. And, you know, we've I, I personally have actually seen um, legitimate journalism happen on that show. It's yes. not just a rag mag. No, it's not. It, it's uh it's one of those shows that you don't like to admit that you watch, right. but the ratings show that you watch it. Absolutely. And a lot of it is, um, uh, it's kind of like some of the stuff we talk about here. Yeah. 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 So, so Lisa okay. Guerrero is an investigative journalist. She is a journalist, an investigative journalist. She went and she did a story about Pastor Lamb using PPP loans and if you know what that is, that's I, the, I was actually going to ask the, you. The, I'm not really positive. It's the loans but. that the government gave out to people, like business owners, so that they could stay in business and pay their staff during the coronavirus. Okay, so kind of like a business stimulus. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Oh, wait, but it's a loan. It's a loan. Okay. But here's what he decided to do with the money, and Lisa Guerrero took him to task. Early in the pandemic, the government passed the Paycheck Protection Program, which provided funds to enable companies to keep employees on the payroll. One of the world's largest religious networks was approved for almost $4 million of taxpayer money. But soon after, it purchased a multi-million dollar jet. Lisa Guerrero had a few questions about that. The she did. is yet to come! 
Marcus Lamb is the charismatic leader of one of the world's largest religious networks, Daystar Television, which is also a very prosperous tax-exempt church. Daystar was recently appraised at over $1 billion. Does he deserve PPP money? Um, I, I'm not really sure that I would be the one to make that judgment. Well, let's watch a little further, okay. shall we? He lives a life of luxury. Check out his mansion with a beautiful pool. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When the pandemic hit, Lamb's Daystar TV applied for the government's Paycheck Protection Loan Program, or PPP, to help pay employees' salaries and received $3.9 million. We've learned that just two weeks after being approved for millions of dollars in taxpayer funds, the church bought a private jet. It's a multi-million dollar 1997 Gulfstream 5, like this. The luxury aircraft, which Lamb says they got for less than half the market value, holds up to 14 passengers. Lamb says they were able to buy the Gulfstream with proceeds from an investment and the sale of its old jet. He has an excuse for everything, but I have not seen any paperwork on any of this, okay. which is notorious for an investigative piece. Sure. But let's well, play. yeah, that's why you have to dig. Yeah, let's play on. Not by using government PPP money. And he insists the jet is for ministry purposes. But is that always the case? In July, he flew with his family from his home in Dallas to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where they posted these videos enjoying eight days in the sun. Look how his family described the trip on social media. Our amazing fam on vacay wrote... So what I'm seeing here is I'm seeing videos of, um, you know, uh, some partying. I see people on the beach. It looks like um, it looks like things that I'm, I don't know. How else would you explain these videos here that people that that can't actually see them? You know, we'll, we'll post the, the link, but I will give him a benefit of the doubt on this. He probably took his family on vacation for a working conference, which okay. happens a lot. Sure. I mean, you know, it's like, it's not like, you know. Perhaps he did. Yeah. Okay. So he probably did. But you can't tell me that that was the entire trip. Oh, absolutely. His wife and his son posted lots of great memories made on our family beach vacation this year. But Lamb insists to Inside Edition that it was a, quote, working vacation, a leadership retreat with his family, who are ministers of the church, too, and were consumed with meetings. So they just happened to be going to Collier County, Florida, like the Naples area, mm -hmm. which, aside from Palm Beach County, is the second richest county in the state of Florida. Okay, well, um, I guess he's very resourceful, knows where to get his money. Yeah, and he knows where to golf. If you want to golf, golf in, in southwest Florida in Naples. Okay. Here's more. In September, Lamb and his family used the jet to fly to California for two days. Ah. When they returned to Dallas, they looked like they had time to play some golf. Lamb is known to be an avid golfer. All in one number four. And in October, Pastor Lamb flew with his wife and some friends to Naples, Florida, where they spent eight days vacationing and playing golf. He told us he had five meetings there and spoke at a church. Pete Evans is an investigator with the Trinity Foundation, a church watchdog group. They got millions of dollars from the government, and then they spent millions of dollars on a private jet. It just looks bad. We recently caught up with Pastor Lamb as he arrived at Daystar's golf tournament outside Dallas. So your church received millions of dollars in taxpayer money, and then two weeks later bought a private oh, jet for millions away. of dollars. Yeah. Can you explain that? 
Did you use taxpayer money to buy a private jet? No, we did not. Then what are we you using? We had our that? own money. Then what are you using that private jet for? Church business only? Absolutely. Then why did you take two vacations with that church jet, including to Florida last week where you played golf? Your wife posted on social media that she was on vacation. We did have vacation, but we also did several meetings with ministers while we were there. Then it was time for a round of golf. Bye. So how do you think that conversation went down between he and his wife as soon as Lisa Guerrero was not allowed into Fiddler Creek Golf Course. He was in probably Naples. like many, many husbands that are that tell their wives, quit posting on social media. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and but here's the thing: if you watch this piece, he posed in these pictures. He had to think that these things were going to show up on social media. Sure. There's- and you know what? Like uh, like he said, he they did attend many meetings with other ministers. Perhaps they did. Maybe they did some morale-building type of fun activities on the beach or whatever. I, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. But the bottom line is he did receive a PPP loan that he applied for and purchased a private jet. So that in and of itself, taking away, taking away the, the element of him traveling, actually, he still bought the jet. And when you say fake news, it's not this inside edition story is not fake news. This is journalism. Lisa Guerrero, I wish we could meet her one day, talk to her one day, but she is an investigative journalist uh, at, and she's great at what she does. She just happens to be on inside edition. That's the only thing. So I will stand by this story 100% by what she has to say. Okay. So, so you feel she's a trusted journalist? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I am not familiar enough to actually um, to, to have a hard opinion on that, but um, I, I mean, I, I trust your judgment. She appears to be very knowledgeable um, in journalism, but um, yeah, I, I think too that, like I said, w- the facts the facts that we absolutely have are, is that he applied for a PPP, he got the PPP, and then purchased, you know, a multi-million dollar jet. So that doesn't look good. No, it, it it really doesn't. Now, did he end up paying back that loan? Well, let's play on. Earlier this week, after our inquiries, the church paid back the entire $3.9 million it received from the government with interest. An attorney for Daystar Network says it does not use charitable donations to fund its operations, including the purchase of that jet. It also says it complies with all laws. So here's my question, Patrick. Um, uh, if if that is the truth, then why would they need the PPP loan to pay exactly. their people? Exactly. That's exactly okay. my question. All right. Did you think you wouldn't get caught? I, I, that's a great question. You can't, perhaps you can't go out and buy a new car for yourself if you're going to get a PPP loan. Right. You can buy a fleet of vehicles for your for your uh, business, or you can, you know, use that money to pay your employees. Man, you're going to get called out if you know you take a sick day from work and they say they see you posting something on social media that shows you out and about. I mean, this is like a whole other level. Yeah, a whole other level. Right. Uh, that's just the way it works now. I mean, social media has been great and it has been bad. So there's that. Lisa Guerrero is also known for confronting preacher Kenneth Copeland. Okay, so he, is she is she kind of like along these lines? Is she 
um, you know, is she really into the the church, the mega church? I think what she's really into, she's more into the confrontation. Well, and not just that. I think a lot of people have opinions with regard to how mega churches, um, you know, for lack of a better term, spend their money. Yeah. I mean, we see the pre- the the giant beautiful estates of Joel Osteen, for example, and the sad thing is, you have you have uh, lonely old men, lonely old ladies who are worth millions and want to get into heaven and think they have to send their last dime to these people, and it happens. Okay, it yeah, happens. It absolutely does. So let's play a little bit of a interview. This is the full interview. I'm not going to play the 12 minute interview. Okay. Yeah. But I'll play a little bit of it. Who is this? It's Kenneth Copeland. He is um he's like in his 80s now, I believe. Okay. But he's one of the richest, one of the richest um mega church leaders. Let's see. Is he um, televised? Yeah, he has a show. Um what, he's 84 years old. Yeah, 84 years old. He does Believer's Voice of Victory, I guess. And um, he had a lot to say about politics during the pandemic. Okay. I don't want to go into sure. that. No. I don't really care. But this story was done way before that okay. about how Kenneth Copeland, he likes to travel and spread the word. And I think, you know, pastors should have that benefit where they spread the word. But he is so lavish with his lifestyle that he refuses to fly unless it's by private jet. Okay. Oh, well, he will not I, it, save. It seems any, like there are a lot of celebrities that do that. I what, just don't think that uh, Jesus would have liked uh, to fly on <laughs> private jets. Gotcha. That's okay. all I'm saying. Okay. So here's just a little snippet. We'll play it and see what you think. How are you, sir? We'd just like to ask you about why you don't want to fly commercial. Why have you said that you won't fly commercial? You said that it's like getting into a tube with a bunch of demons. Oh, nope. why do you think that? <laughs> no, no, listen to me just singing. Not the people. The main reason is because of the need. If if I flew commercial, I'd have to stop 65% of what I'm doing. That's really the main. But why? Isn't it true that you want to fly commercial so that you can fly in luxury? How much money did you pay for Tyler Perry's Gulfstream jet, for example? Well, for example, that's really none of your business, but... Isn't it the business of your donors? Listen, Point I paid... This kind of you kind of caught me off guard here, okay? No way. Certainly. Well, if you'd like to come out here, I'd like to give you a chance to to catch your breath and and have a conversation. We don't want to. We don't want to. So now he's deflecting. Now he's like, "How do I get out of this? I'm pissed off, but how do I get out of this?" Watch what he tries to do to Lisa Guerrero. Okay. Or actually, listen. Catch you off guard. I love Inside Edition. You got to get this now. Hey, you listening to me? My my wife thinks Inside Edition is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, thank you, Lord. Help me. This, let me. Let me pray. Well, well let, me, let me just ask you a really pray real quick. question. A lot of people think it's unbecoming for a preacher to live a life of luxury and to fly around in private jets. What's your response to that? Very simple. It takes a lot of money to do what we do. We yeah. have brought over 100, let's see, this, the latest figures just came out. Uh, 122 million people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you another example. He's fishing. Last May, I was scheduled for Lagos, Nigeria. That's a long ways. Mm-mm. 
I had a week off and I was scheduled for Peru. And I prayed about it and I thought, I'm not missing that dedication in Jerusalem without the airplane that we have that I bought from Tyler Perry. And I didn't pay anywhere. Tyler's one of the greatest guys. He made it, he made that airplane so cheap for me, I couldn't help but buy it. Well, my question then, what, 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 is he going to okay. cry? All right, but it I want to get to like the demons because people are very concerned about that comment. Give me a chance here, Inside Edition. Did he I love swat your eyes. at yes, he and, did. the mic? Uh, yes, he did. Wow. Here's what happened. We flew in 21 days, 70 hours, 40,000 miles, touched five continents, and preached face-to-face, personally, with 125,000 people. Do you ever... Okay, Do you fair. ever use your private jets to go visit your vacation homes, for example? Yes, I do. Okay. Again, getting back to the comment, you said that you don't like to fly commercial because you don't want to get into a tube with a bunch question. of demons. Do you really believe that human beings are demons? No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. Oh, Ooh. my gosh. Wow. Wagging his finger. I mean, like, I'm gonna the comment, you know what, the comment isn't as big as this visual. Yeah, let me take a wow, picture. We'll, man, we'll he, post it on social media. That, he was hot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So let's see if what else. If somebody would come at me, come at me like that. Wow. So one more. We'll play it one more time. Okay. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Can and you explain what you meant by that? Yes. That by that term then? Yes. Just just explain because it's okay. really simple. You said you didn't want to get into a tube with a bunch of demons. What did you mean? The well, let me ask you. Do you think that let people that fly commercial are demons? He's not going to let him. Talk, sweetheart. I'll explain. Not going to let him ask questions. But it's a biblical good. thing. It's a spiritual thing. It doesn't have anything to do with people. Just answer the question, dude. People. I love people. Jesus loves people. But people get pushed in alcohol. Do you think that's a good place for a preacher to be and prepare to go preach to a lot of people when somebody in there is dragging some woman down an aisle? It made me so mad to see that on television. I wanted to punch the guy out myself. I have no idea what he's talking about. No clue. I, I think he is referring to something that was probably aired at some point of an altercation between a man and a woman. I, I Actually, I think it was... Um, someone who worked on an airline remo- trying to remove a woman from a flight. Okay. I think that's what he is referring to. Um, I still don't understand the whole demon part I don't of either. it, but... I'm, my mind is boggled on that. Yeah. It's an excuse. He can fly commercial. He just would rather have his private yeah, jet. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Just just admit it. I, but, but, wow. What? I would have this much more respect. This is interesting video, though, for sure. <laughs> I, you know, just Google... Full interview, Kenneth Copeland, lavish lifestyle. Just go to YouTube and you'll see this. I mean, if you really want to get hot. It's uh, it's it's very interesting. And it just shows me, you know, sometimes, and I'm not saying all preachers are bad and not all of them act like this, but sometimes these things can go wrong and these these people need to be held accountable. 
I, th- I think so too. I think everybody needs to be held accountable that receives, um, you know, exorbitant uh, donations, um, especially from people who, you know what, there are a lot of people that give to these organizations who really, uh, and pardon me, don't have a pot to piss in. Right. Because they do feel the faith. They do feel, um, you know, some type of spiritual connection to whatever they are receiving from this person. Um, which I mean that, of course that is on them. Um, however, man, wow. I, I, I don't know. It, yeah, it Kenneth takes... Copeland was coming in hot. He's, right. His finger was like, Oh my gosh. No. Face. Yeah. That, that was a frightening moment for sure. I, so I, that's that. I had a physical reaction to that. Actually, I've not seen that video. So I'm kind of glad I hadn't seen it before now. Yeah. Um, see, I told you. Right. So man, so we kind of, you know, this topic about, um, again, I say megachurch pastors um, is definitely the talk. Uh, people have opinions about these and people talk about this. Um, I, I have yet to really meet somebody who completely supports the behavior um, or or the the uh, what uh, peripheral behavior, I should say. Of. Don't get me wrong. I think that the word of God should be spread across the world. But maybe 84-year-old Kenneth Copeland needs to stay home. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't need to go on these trips. Or, you maybe know what? Go on the trip. But maybe his carbon footprint. coach. My right. God. Maybe his carbon Whatever. footprint from his jet doesn't <laughs> need to be out there. And maybe the donations that people send to these churches should go to what they advertise on television. Well, perhaps, perhaps. This was fun, though. This is our, our very first episode. Um, you know, and these are the types of things that we're, we're going to talk about, topical things that people talk about and um, things that, you know, even I talk about in just very casual conversations, debates, what have you. Um, next week, we are going to actually sit down. We have some video. We're going to have some video of comedian Max Price. He is a local comedian. I had the pleasure of seeing open for TJ Miller. I was assigned to review uh, TJ Miller's performance at Helium Comedy Club a few weeks ago. And Max hosted the show. He um, he gave a very straightforward, um, very personal performance. He talks about his life experiences. Um, he talks about uh, the things that he has experienced through his life that have kind of led him to where he is now. So it's a very authentic, genuine um, story, but it's delivered with humor. And I'm glad that he can do that because this story is a dark story to what got him to this point. But my gosh, he's a funny dude. He's an interesting dude. We're going to have him on the show next week. Um, so look for that. Um, I appreciate you hanging in there with us. If you're still with us, I want you to come back. All right. Want to see you back again. Thank you to JB uh, Anderson here at Gaslight. Thank you to our, uh, our producer, Mick Light. Uh, Rick Wagner, our uh, wonderful engineer, Jason Wilson, photographer. Thank you, viewers and listeners. Uh, I should say uh, upcoming viewers. We're going to have video uh, coming up soon. That'll All be of our a key listeners. Component. Yes. yes, it absolutely will. And um, thank you especially to um, my co-host, Patrick. You're, you're amazing. And I, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Thank you. Absolutely. Congratulations again to Dan Sokolik. He's the winner of our Ryan O'Reilly Funko Pop. Uh, Look for us to post some polls again. Uh, You might win some prizes too. Uh, But until next time, thanks for hanging out and we'll see you then.